you are listening to the Impact Exchange. I am your host, Ronnie Sage. The Impact Exchange is a podcast where we discuss the intersection of corporate social responsibility and all things retail, my favorite two topics. On this episode, we dig into the linear to circular economy. From linear to a circular economy, the way of the future with Scott Hamlin, founder and CEO of Loopedworks. Scott, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. And where are you calling out of today? Where are, we, where are you joining us from? I am calling in from Portland, Oregon. Welcome from Portland. Thank you. Um, so we are shooting here out of uh, Chicago. And today we're going to discuss on this episode of Impact Exchange, we're going to unpack a new approach and vision to the supply chain, production manufacturing, and ultimately the impact on our environment and home Mother Earth. Uh, you, our guest, Scott, the founder and CEO of Loopedworks, you are at the center of redefining the current paradigm of supply chain, and you are a driving force behind the circular economy. I can't wait to hear what that means and, and, and dig in on that. Scott, I appreciate you being here, bud. Um, you know, you have staggering stats you shared with us on the initial call when we when we were screening for this, and that we always like to set up preliminary conversations to make sure that there's a fit for the show, and this was a home run. So I'm extremely excited to have you here. The stat that you shared was that currently there's 70 times more pre-consumer waste created by, on the planet than post-consumer. Explain to me what that means, Scott. Sure. That's uh, basically if you if you look at um, the way products get created in the world, um, they have to go through a creation of materials and then a creation of the products themselves in a manufacturing scenario before they even get shipped out to final destinations for, for purchasing. And so everything that happens before that product hits your retail shelf or a retail shelf, that's called pre-consumer. So that's all the stuff that gets left over in manufacturing. And there's 70 times more of the materials and waste that gets created in the manufacturing process than there is when you go to recycle something that is post-consumer at the end of its life. Wow. So a ton of opportunity for brands and retailers to get involved. When you think about it from a consumer you're thinking about what you do at that, you know, when you purchase it and what you do with that product. But before you even purchase that product, there's a ton the brands and retailers can do to, to cut down on that pre-consumer waste um, as part of that supply chain. So help me define some some definitions here. Help me define the linear economy versus the circular economy. Yeah, so the, the linear economy is basically a kind of a take, use, and throw away kind of um, model in which... Uh, uh, materials are taken from the earth. Um, in our world, we work in apparel and, and textiles a lot. So we're talking about things like petroleum to make polyester, or we're talking about cotton to make a t-shirt. Um, when you take those things from the earth, you then manufacture with them, and then they go through a, a, a process of um, going to a retail store and then from a retail store to your home. And then you use them and then you might uh, donate them back to a nonprofit like Goodwill or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, that is going to end up in landfill uh, or incineration. So it's it's very linear. So none of it goes back to the earth and none of it's um, something that should be uh, nothing that uh, it just it goes straight from use to waste. And in a circular economy, uh, basically, you're you're using the feedstock. Um, so instead of the at the very end of the day, at the end of the life cycle, so to speak, 
when you take that uh, t-shirt and it's, it's going to get burned in incineration or it's going to go to landfill, instead of that, the materials from that t-shirt are used. They're broken back down to fiber form and they're used to create the next t-shirt, uh, similar to an aluminum can. You know, if you purchase a beverage in an aluminum can and you drink the, uh, the, the contents in that can and then you, uh, you know, recycle the can, that gets turned back into a can again so that you can put more beverage in it. Um, that's kind of a circular model. And you can do that with a few different types of materials like aluminum and uh, some paper products and um, some plastics and things like that. But it's been a challenge in the textile industry to be able to do that with things like clothing or any of the other um, uses that uh, textiles find their way into until recently. And now we're starting to be able to do that in a circular uh, scenario. Now that we've defined the circular economy and the linear economy and the difference between the two, help me understand where this all started. Give me some background on you and give me some color on where you started. Uh, sure. Uh, so I uh, started in the industry um, uh, in the athletic and outdoor world and um, I worked for athletic companies for a while and then um, I moved into the outdoor apparel space. Uh, and I was working there with um, some folks on how to uh, be more sustainable because the the mission of our founder of that company uh, had been a tremendous leader in um, clean climbing initiatives and uh, really an environmental thought leader. Um, and at that time, uh, we weren't really as a brand doing anything remotely sustainable. So I started doing research on what that meant. Um, spent about three and a half years doing research on sustainability, environmental responsibility, and and the role of, of um, the apparel supply chain and manufacturing in uh, that process. You know, learned a whole lot of things like uh, things like um, the, the apparel industry is one of the um, dirtiest uh, industries on the planet. Um, we also have a very um, truncated, uh, weird, bizarre, antiquated supply chain um, that is um, complicated to navigate and even more complicated to um, make consistent. Um, so looking at those things and, and realizing that there was all these positive things that were coming out, like organic cottons were coming to, um, the folk coming into focus and, uh, recycled polyester. And then there were all these other great inputs like soy and hemp and bamboo and things that were, um, potentially more environmentally responsible from the input, uh, of materials into the process. Um, but what I realized was is that the um, materials themselves, uh, to create them, created uh, you know a pretty significant carbon footprint, as well as a, a very significant water footprint. It takes a lot of water to make these these types of materials. And um, what we would do when we go through a, a manufacturing process was, um, on average, about 28% of all materials that went into production were getting wasted. And to me, that sounded like a crazy thing where you take a whole bunch of water and you grow a lot of cotton and you use those materials and you do a dyeing process and a finishing process and you're potentially leaking out toxic chemicals in that process. And then at the end of the day, you just either burn or throw away the materials. And that to me didn't seem like it made any sense at all. And so uh, that's when I started really looking into um, circularity and upcycling and, and uh, we founded LoopedWorks uh, based on those simple concepts of what if we just stopped and we didn't make any new materials, but we used 
only what already existed. Uh, it, were there enough materials on this planet to keep us moving while we tried to move towards circularity and reduce the way the the impact that we were doing uh, in a linear economy? And the answer to that uh, was ten years ago when we founded the company, yes. And unfortunately, that answer is still yes today. Um, so that that's that's kind of what we work on. Love it. And- from our conversation initially, it sounds like Looptworks is doing a lot more, though. So you're engaging with other brands now to help them kind of establish their circular economy and how they can become um, more resourceful with their with their product and their supply chain. Yeah, that's right. So we, you know, usually we're, we're intersecting with a lot of different uh, brands um, from different industries. Uh, we work a lot in aviation. We work a lot in athletic, outdoor, uh, fashion, uh, entertainment. Um, even into things like finance, where uh, what we're finding is there's there's textile waste in just about every industry that you come across, and what we found is the problems are pretty similar across industries. And so we've had a lot of a lot of brands um, come to us and say, "Look, we we first want to start with uh, a zero waste philosophy, or even before that, they might come to us and just say, "Hey, we have a problem. We have all of this, and we don't know what to do with it." And we know that throwing it away or landfilling it is wrong. So what do we do? And usually that'll start a conversation around uh, moving towards a zero waste goal. Uh, And then from there, you start to move towards conversations around circularity and what that looks like. So uh, we do a lot of that work and partner with a lot of really big brands in uh, all of those industries that I mentioned. Love it. Um, So hot topic right now, the SGD for the UN, the, the uh, sustainable, um, what's the acronym I'm looking for, for SGD? Um, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals. Yes, of course. Sustainable Development Goals for the UN. Um, I would love to know how are you playing a role in that? Do you have any do you have any part in that today? Are you looking yeah. at that at all? You know, it's it's interesting. Um, those have been established in, and, uh, you know, there's 17 of those SDGs. Uh, and um, what, if you look at what we do, we handle about nine of them, uh, and some of wow. them are, are things that are um, a little bit uh, peripheral to what we do. So things like you know uh, electricity. Um, yes, we have what we do reduces electricity and has an impact on electricity, but there are also um, about nine of them that we're more directly related into uh, on water conservation, um, carbon emission avoidance, waste reduction. Uh, energy reduction, um, but we, you know, there's certain things we don't do on the SDGs, like food, for example, is in that in that um, as one of those development goals. So um, we do play in the space, and uh, and as large corporations are are trying to identify where they can um, help increase uh, the positive work that they're doing, that's where we uh, play a role. So I guess this kind of falls into my next question of what challenges are you seeing um, with where we're at today? Like, are, is it hard to adapt this this mindset of circular economy going from this legacy approach of linearity? Where where, where are you seeing some roadblocks and, and where do you think anticipate that this um, SDG, um, you know, the, the this framework is going to run into roadblock potentially? Yeah. So, I, I mean, part of the areas that are challenging around this is, is a lot of um, companies have put uh, really, really smart. Uh, and intelligent sustainability folks into play 
um, and they're starting out to build it, you know, building up their benchmarks on how to how to develop a sustainable strategy for their company moving forward. Um, and I, I'd like to just really quickly define that word as well as you know, sustainable. I think in a lot of ways starts to take on um, some some very iffy uh, definitions. And for me, I look at sustainability as not only being the environmentally responsible things that we think of when you hear the word sustainability, but also financial sustainability, because at the end of the day, these companies can't keep doing what they're doing in a linear fashion, because we're going to run out of resources Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And we're going to mess up all of the things along the way uh, that we require to live, things like fresh air and fresh water. So Mm -hmm. Uh, sustainability strategies for me, I always really try and keep this really simple. There's two things, water and air. That's what human beings need. And that's what all species on this planet need in order to survive. And if we can manage to clean up the water and clean up the air and, and really respect those two things, then I think sustainability from a financial perspective comes with that. And that's really what the corporate America is looking at is like, not only to how do I be a good citizen and, and play my part in this world, but how do I make sure that I'm not running out of the resources so I can't do my business anymore? Um, so, you know, looking at those those foundations for it is really a key part of of setting up that strategy. Um, and then that's that's kind of where we will get pulled into the conversation at a, at a larger level of um, starting with zero waste and then looking at, at um, design for circularity and some of those pieces of the puzzle. I love that. So as you think about designing for circularity, you're seeing a massive uptick in this concept in retail. That you know the retail industry is rallying around this. You're a retail dive just did a publication in 2019 in their trend report that they said they saw resale grow 21% faster than the apparel market over the last three years, and it's projected to be at 51 billion dollars over the next three years. So this yeah. resale and circular economy is just exploding. Uh, yes, it is. And, and so that gets back to your previous question about what are the roadblocks. And um, I think really uh, part of this is, is that um, uh, it's a little Pavlovian in that we've been trained to do a certain thing a certain way. And so, you know, if, if you're a large company and it's Q4 and you have to hit a number, you're thinking about that focus and how you're going to do that as opposed to no, wait a minute, I have to, I've got these sustainability people that are talking to me about changing things and I, I really have to hit my fourth quarter number. And so that's where there gets to be the challenges if you hire these really smart sustainability folks in, but they don't have uh, a budget or a, a, a direct link to the day-to-day business the way it's being done now. And so that's where there's a little bit of a crossroads and that um, this truly has to be a top-down initiative and you have to find ways to be able to supplement income as you're changing your business model. And so resale is becoming one of those really interesting opportunities to do that because the apparel companies are starting to realize, A, we're leaving a lot of kind of, you know, if, you know, in a perfect world, um, whether uh, if I create a material, um, I'm responsible for that material all the way it's through its life cycle. And in a linear economy, um, any brand can create a material, and as soon as they sell it to a retailer, they don't take responsibility for it. And then as soon as the retailer sells it to the consumer, they don't take responsibility for it. And then as soon as the consumer donates it to Goodwill, they don't take any responsibility for it. So there's this this pathway of, of um, 
responsibility that in a perfect world that that manufacturer of that product who made that material should say, Hey, that's mine. And I need to get it back at the end of life. And yeah. So, so you're seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're starting to see that in resale now. Um, I love the, it. Hey, wait a minute. We're, we're, we're kind of missing a, a, an opportunity here to um, start to take steps towards circularity. And the first thing and the most important thing in any sustainability initiative is keeping your materials in use for as long as you possibly can. Um, so that's that's why that resale market makes a ton of sense. We do a lot of that work together with par- brand partners where um, we either set up platforms for them to resell because they're not set up to do that, or we're doing repairs um, for their resale program, or we're upcycling materials to turn them into new products that can go into those resale programs. Right. So your examples of that, what you're seeing, Adidas, their new announcement of going plastic free and using their green label for items um, that come from the earth, plastics, and then their blue label, which is going to be ocean products. So that's an example of, um, what, what, give me the, the term that that'd be an example for. That'd be um, production re- um, upcycling of existing product, because that's not um, upcycling current products in use. Yeah. And then they're also asking for the... Yeah. Sorry, sorry to jump in there, but uh, you know, you're really talking about when you get into circular economy, you're talking about two types of loops. Um, one is a natural fiber loop, um, which is, as you said, things that come from the earth um, that uh, have not been processed in a synthetic way. Um, that's things like cotton and, and um, uh, wool uh, are the types of materials that we see most often in that realm. And Ideally, what those do in a, in, a, in a natural loop is they end up going back into the earth and biodegrading, and, um, and then you reproduce that new natural fiber again by growing it again. Um, that's, that's a healthy model for a natural loop. And then on the mechanical side, which is the, the synthetic fabrics like your polyesters and your nylons, those are uh, have been synthetically created by pulling petroleum from the earth and then and then building them into a fiber those need to be mechanically recycled um so those would go into a full closed loop where you can actually extrude a fiber out of the raw material again once you've reprocessed it very interesting which is from a manufacturing side a very different concept than this mainstream approach we're seeing you know urban outfitters is just launched newly where you could are truly taking back the product at the end of it or um koyochi that you know they have the new program where you could buy your sheets or your towels and that it's a program where you um, subscribe and then you send them back after three months. So they're truly trying to get those products back in hand. So it, it's interesting to see both from the manufacturing um, and that uh, natural fiber loop and mechanical loop to the end consumer, how this is going you know, more mainstream. Um, where do you think this is going to go now? Do you think this is going to continue? Obviously, it's growing by the numbers. Um, what do you think is the next step for retail where it's going to con- continue to evolve? Yeah, so I, I think the first step is this recovery of materials concept, you know, and I always use um, examples of, you know, there's certain footwear companies out there that'll put out, um, you know, a, a close to a, a billion pairs of, of shoes in a calendar year. Um, and that's, you know, their sales numbers are based off of a billion pairs of shoes that they've sold. So you think about that every January 1st, here goes a billion pairs of shoes out into the ethos of the world or the 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 world environment and then you say okay well in a circular model how do you get those back um and the response to that is is that you don't necessarily get them back to one centralized location you start to divvy this thing this up so that it becomes more regional in nature 
Um, so you're not trying to collect from everywhere around the world in one centralized location. You're going to, you're going to have decentralized supply chains um, as opposed to today where uh, we have a very centralized supply chain in Southeast Asia for most of this industry. So when you think about what's uh, approachable and how do you measure success of this, what, what kind of KPIs are you looking at um, internally um, or, or presenting to partners on how they measure success here and understanding that PNL is still top of mind as you as you mentioned how does this play a role um, against growth in PNL yeah so we look at it from uh, multiple multiple different angles but the you know the from a, a sustainability standpoint we look at it from uh, what is the reduction of, of water footprint uh, you know very simply how much water did we conserve in the process? Uh, what is the carbon emissions avoidance? So how much air pollution did we avoid? Um, and what was the physical waste? You know, how much physical waste did we recover from going into landfill? Uh, and then, um, and uh, in some cases, we're even measuring the energy uh, because in some cases, you have to be very careful about how much energy goes into these things because you might be spending more energy doing the recycling piece of it than you were if you would do it virgin. And, and if that's the case, it doesn't mean you abandon ship on it. It means you've got to find efficiencies on how you do it better so that it makes more sense from that standpoint. So those are kind of the, on the sustainability side of it, but the, on the pragmatic side of it, like the, the business model side of it, um, in all of the cases that we work with, with all of our customers, we build financial modeling to show how we can, a company can recover value through this and not only wipe out a line item expense, which is excess fabric liabilities and, and tipping fees and, and incineration fees, but also um, showing how there's an upside to this, um, where in certain cases they're recovering and making very good profit off of things that they were considering an expense previously. And, and you brought up this comment uh, in our initial conversation of no margin, no mission, which, which resonated with me. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah, that's right. So we're, you know, we're a certified B Corp, uh, which means that we, we really try and, and have equal footing for uh, people, uh, the planet and profit, uh, as opposed to just being myopically focused on profit. Um, however, um, with that, you know, some of the great things that we do on the people side of this is we uh, employ um, nonprofits that employ adults with disabilities and barriers to employment. And we bake that into our supply chain for our reverse engineering. Um, that's great work. We love doing it. Um, we track all of our environmental uh, impact from, from the, uh, uh, the planet side of things. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a successful business model where you're making profit, uh, none of this matters. So it's really important that we keep profit in that conversation. Um, and there's a lot of folks that uh, really want business to do well, but they forget that um, business has to, uh, excuse me, want business to do good, but then they forget business has to do well financially as well um, in order to be able to um uh, continue to do the good work that they're doing. So uh, there's a little bit of a balancing act on that, but it, you got to have the the margin in order to have the mission. Got to have the margin or, in order to have the mission. I love it. I'm going to take that from you. I'll give you a homage to that quote. Fantastic. And that came, <laughs> uh, that came from one of our uh, advisory board members who's uh, had great experience in starting a, a uh, local um, environmental B Corp uh, in the grocery space a long time ago. Very interesting. 
So say that, say that quote one more time for me. So all of our listeners can, can really resonate with it and hear, and yeah. hear it. You've got to have the margin in order to do the mission. Amen. So next step, approachable. Um, what's something small? You know, you, my one of our advisors always says, um, you got to eat an elephant one bite at a time. This is an elephant. What, what's something approachable for um, your startup to your legacy mass brand? What's something tangible that they could do and take away after listening to this conversation? Yeah, that, I mean, the first thing we always encourage is to really kind of benchmark, uh, which means just get a take a simple evaluation of what it is that you're creating and what waste you have and knowing where it is. And uh, in a lot of large corporations, they have no idea where their pre-consumer waste is, who owns it, um, how it works. Um, so we, we do a lot of work helping um, you know, map that and, and process the, the um, tracking of that. But then um, in general, from a sustainability standpoint, you really need to know well, what am I doing now in order to be able to improve? So how much energy am I spending? How much water do we use? What, how much you know, food do we um, throw away? Uh, any of those types of things that you can start to look at um, and evaluate, that's a really simple thing. We, you know, I visited a, um, a zero-waste uh, manufacturer who made paintbrushes at one point in time, and they started quite simply by taking all of their employees out to the parking lot and they turned their dumpster upside down and no shaming in it. They just looked at it and said, what's in our dumpster and how do we put it somewhere else so that we can start to divert this waste from landfill. And over an 18 month period, a paintbrush, a very large paintbrush manufacturer uh, found uh, reusable purposes for everything that was going through their operation. Love it. So Approachable next steps will break down in the recap, as always, for our listeners, where they could see one, two, and three for them. But um, think about sustainability. Think about what's in their supply chain and how do they, you know, benchline what they're currently doing today. Is that a good synopsis for you? That is a great synopsis, yes. Awesome. And where can listeners learn more about Loopedworks? Yeah, so you can go to loopedworks.com. That's L-O-O-P is in Paul, T is in Tom, W-O-R-K-S dot com. And uh, I should also mention on that site that we do uh, sell upcycle goods uh, for um, direct purchase um, that are Loopedworks branded products as well as some of the partner products that we have from our different pro- our different partners um, like the National Basketball Association and uh Southwest Airlines and Delta Airlines and Alaska Airlines and um, some of the music industry folks like Bon Iver and Jack Johnson. So those are spots that you can come to our website and um, shop if you want to have a uh, mindful consumption experience or if you want to be a a large brand that's uh, getting in touch with us to try and take those steps towards zero waste and, and circular economy, you can reach us there as well. Amazing. And if we don't have it now, I'll do it post production. But and add it to our uh, write up here. But do you have a coupon code available by chance for listeners to get a discount when they shop? We do. Yes, we're going to have a um, uh, a twenty percent off uh, coupon code for you. And since I haven't made up that coupon code yet, what should we create it to be? Let's call it the impact impact exchange. Impact. That will be. Let's do that. Impact exchange twenty. How's that? Beautiful. That will be I-M-P-A-C-T-E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E. Is that right? Exchange. That's all right. Impact Exchange 20. 
Perfect. And we will write that out for you in our write-up so everyone can see that. Impact Exchange 20 for 20% off today at loopedworks.com. Scott Hamlin, CEO of Loopedworks, thank you so much for joining us and discussing today's topic from a linear to circular economy, the way of the future. You're a rock star, man. This is incredible what you're doing. It is. I could sit and talk with you over uh, beers or whiskey all all evening and probe you for all the crazy stuff that's happening and where this world is going. But uh, with our limited time, I greatly appreciate what you are doing and uh, excited to build a friendship with you, sir. Well, Ronnie, I really appreciate your time and uh, happy to do that at any time. Beers and whiskey are, sounds great. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks, Scott. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Impact Exchange. I am your host, Ronnie Sage. I would also love to encourage everybody to follow us on social as well. So Instagram, Twitter, all of those things, at LoopedWorks. Good. And we'll include those in the write-up as well, um, at at LoopedWorks, to follow them on social. Um, Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your drive, your good night sleep, your cleaning the house, or your distraction at work. We are happy to be all of them for you. Thanks for listening.